Welcome to Creative Resolutions in Action, a podcast that dives into the real world of Manitoba with a mixture of smart conversation, expert advice, behind-the-scenes stories, and straight talk from leaders in government, business, industry, academia, and civil society. Creative Resolutions in Action, Manitobans Building Strong Communities. Today we have the pleasure of sitting down with Sarah Guimard. Sarah is the first ever Minister of Conservation and Climate at the province of Manitoba. Minister Guimard is a longtime community activist and has made incredible differences in her community. And I'm really excited to sit down and talk with her. Thank you for being here, Minister Guimard. Thank you very much for the opportunity to participate today, uh, to be a part of a group of very influential leaders in Manitoba who are working towards, obviously, our common goal of building a stronger and more sustainable and economically competitive communities. I just was wondering, as the first Minister of Conservation and Climate, can you talk to me a little bit about your connection to this file and to some of the experience you've had and how it led you to today? In terms of my connection with this particular portfolio, you know, I I grew up like many people in Manitoba with an appreciation for the land and understanding that we all had a role uh, in proper stewardship of the land around us, not only for our own um, health and benefits, but for future generations. So there was uh, that value instilled within me as I, I grew up. And then I had opportunities, um, raising my own children, being involved in the school system. I was able to work on the parent councils on a, a wonderful project where we learned about how to clean water before it went back into the water system. And learning about natural grasses and the root system and, and how nature has just this wonderful way of cleaning itself Uh, and staying healthy and um, learning through that and the various levels of grants that we had to apply for for these projects really opened my eyes to how we work as not only a local community but a wider um, you know government community and then putting us in touch with other organizations that worked right across the country so it was sort of a progressive uh, connection into some of these really relevant areas I'm working in now um, in, in my former sort of life that really have benefited where I'm at right now. Well, it's really funny that you talk about your early days with the school, uh, the school board and, uh, and the, the work you did on parent council. It's funny because one of the first presentations I did when I was working with Lake Friendly and the mayors and Rees at the, at the out in the South Basin was to the St. Avila School where you guys made the rain garden. And it was a fantastic project. And it was so exciting to see how that particular project um, really connected quality of life and education to those, to to healthy environment. And it was an amazing project. And I just wanted to say congratulations on that because that was a really um, influential project for a lot of school boards and a lot of school divisions um, going forward for that. And it was a lot of work because I know some of the volunteers um, that were on that committee and I know you put lots of hard hours into it. So it's really interesting where, um, you know, our sometimes as, as mothers and as parents, where our kids lead us to in, in some of the interests we have. And I wondered, you know, I know you have four children and, uh, you know, through the years you've worked on many different projects. How does being a mother of four influence some of the projects you're undertaking now and how you look at the environment and climate right now? Oh, wow. Uh, Very much so. I I can tell you my children are probably one of the first to give me feedback if they're dissatisfied with any of the direction we're (laughs) taking. Um, But it's been, 
I think a unique area that I get to tap into. So my children range in age from 14 all the way up to 22 years. And each of them have their own perspective um, in, in terms of what they've learned in school, but also in their social circles. Mm -hmm. And uh, two of my children are, are quite active. I'd have to say very good advocates for you know, making sure that they have a social responsibility and an environmental responsibility. They're also very plugged in to the dialogue that's going on right now in, in the uh, concern about climate change and how that's affecting weather and affecting uh, different activities that they would be involved in. Um, so they give me a, a unique perspective and certainly uh, I keep my feet on the ground. And they've got the, the questions that I maybe in my age demographic wouldn't necessarily think to consider. So um, they definitely have shaped a lot of um, how I'm thinking and the questions I'm asking uh, when we are making decisions and when we are choosing directions to move in, uh, is this the right thing? And what are gonna be the impacts, not only on the youth, but, but on other communities and other uh, you know, uh, demographics as well. And it's fascinating. I, I think about that and I, I, I know how important to you um, and in your department and your government right now, having the voice of youth is. And, and I know as with my work on the Expert Advisory Committee for Climate, you were instrumental in getting the Youth Advisory Council um, up and running and working with the Expert Advisory Council so that that voice is heard. And, and I really applaud that. And I just think, you know, you've answered a bit about how important youth is, but how about important to government direction and policy? I would say that um, historically, government has looked at, okay, there's this demographic, the young people, uh, we have to find a way to fit them in to what we want to achieve. And the new way of thinking is, what does the youth want to achieve? Because ultimately, we're going to be handing the reins over to this next generation. They are going to be the ones who then are making um, a lot of these continued great decisions, but also shouldering the responsibility of those decisions. So how can we tap into what they already have a, a, a natural sense of what's right for, for the environment and how to achieve that? Even when we look at technology, it is always evolving. The youth are so quick to pick up on that, understand it, and then know how to apply it um, for various goals that we want to achieve. So coming at it from a sense of not how do they fit into our overall goals, although they naturally do at some stage, but how do we understand what their goals, what they'd like to achieve, and how can we work collaboratively uh, to get to that level and one day have them take it over, right? So we Absolutely. want that more of that preparation of, yes, you're part of that ground level, we're developing, we're achieving, and ultimately we want some of that ownership taken over so that that responsibility and continuance can happen year over year. Uh, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And I'm just so pleased that you've really, you know, championed that and put that into motion. And, and it's exciting. And, you know, a lot of the work we're doing today um, across governments and, uh, you know, you, you have a real collaborative approach with your uh, colleagues um, in the provincial government. And as you know, we're working with the 17 uh, communities in and around the Winnipeg metro region to come up with a long-term land use and servicing plan. And when I say that, people are like, oh my goodness, it's a, a land use plan and it's 30 years. Like that's just, that's crazy. But 30 years comes pretty quick. And, and I know um, 
Um, Susan Thompson told me one time, she said, everything we're doing right now has already been decided. She said, it's making the plans for the future that actually move people forward. And, and so I'd, I'd just like to talk with you just a bit about the, the land use and servicing plan. And, and I, I know you you can see how trying to put some of these good policy in place at the high regional level can really make sure that we're actually thinking about the future and achieving some goals into the future instead of just, you know, things changing every few years. And, um, you know, it kind of builds on that whole idea that, you know, we're, we're leading, you know, we're leading, but we're also going to be handing over to our children and their generation one day. So what's your thoughts on a long-term land use and servicing plan? So I, I assume you're talking about more of that 2050 plan that is being put together, yes. yes. Which is, uh, it, it's a wonderful um, focus is to look into that future and, and what are we doing today that impacts whether we achieve certain goals or miss them. And um, I, I think that in many ways that the Plan 2050 really does align with our own goals in government um, at the provincial level with our climate and green plan. Um, so a lot of the policy areas um, mirror some of our objectives, obviously, in our plan. For example, uh, the, 20, the 2050 plan will address the need for increased stewardship of natural lands and water. Uh, this could include things like conservation of natural lands and riparian zones, stewardship of water and ecological networks to protect biodiversity, nutrient monitoring, air quality measures, and the reductions, obviously, of greenhouse gas emissions. And all of these are key aspects of our own Manitoba uh, Climate and Green Plan. So the other uh, point that I think is really a neat tie-in uh, is the strategy for investments in the green infrastructure. Uh, I know that we'll be looking very closely at a lot of these projects that are gonna come forward um, within our own department. And we can help fund these through our Conservation and Grow Trust, but we have other mechanisms as well that if they're helping us to achieve the goals that we've set within our plan, uh, that we have just these wonderful opportunities for collaboration, uh, working at the local level, but also in the larger government um, aspects. So I think it's when you're looking at the environment specifically and, and certainly climate, it's not a short term plan that you put together. This is, um, relevant today, but it's going to be a relative well into the future. And the decisions that we make today are going to determine how successful future generations are. So, you know, setting up that long-term plan, looking at even chunks of time, uh, whether it's 30 years, 20 years, whatever it is, a lot of these projects actually take many years to even see the benefits of, but you got to start it somewhere, right? Absolutely. Like they say, the best time to plant a, plant a tree was yesterday yeah so it's it's really interesting and and i love your perspective on that because um you know the a long-term plan what's really exciting is it's we get to look long into the future but we also get to cross jurisdictions so we can start Mm -hmm. to see how do we think about natural infrastructure how do we think about green infrastructure the environment when we're thinking about you know maybe it's projects in portage la prairie that will help us protect the, the, you know, the river walk at the forks. And it's when we can start to look at a broader landscape with a longer lens that we get more options and more opportunities. And that's what I'm just so excited about. And I'm, I'm just so pleased to be working in partnership with the provincial government on this, because I think we're going to be able to, as you said, 
um, you know, wrap in a lot of the climate and green plan. And also think about the economy, which really drives a lot of quality of life benefits. And so, you know, keeping all, you know, the economy, society, and the environment in mind, Plan 2050 can really lead us forward, I, I believe. So it's, it's going to be so great to work with you on this. You know, Minister Guimard, it's not always easy to work with a variety of different departments and a variety of, of different people, but collaboration is often key to seeing really great outcomes. And I just wanted, you know, you to maybe comment on collaboration from your perspective. And I know you've always encouraged it. What, you know, what would you say are the benefits of collaboration, especially when we're talking about long-term land use planning and the climate and green plan and all those really great things we want to leave for our children in the future. Can you talk a bit about collaboration? Absolutely. So obviously we've all heard the, the mantra, you know, many hands make light for light work. Uh, and we all know that, that that proves true when you're getting along and you're agreeing. When you're working in large groups and certainly over the long term, you have so many different perspectives, personalities. Some people come with different agendas. There's one aspect that they really care about and the rest maybe not as much. So finding a way to keep everybody engaged and involved it's not necessarily the topic or the project you're working on, but the relationship that you're building. And relationships don't always have that feel good, you know, aspect. You can disagree with someone and you can really be very strong in different personalities and giving room for people to express themselves really does lead to a lot better outcomes overall. Because when you get past those frustration moments and you're still a team, um, you tend to have a stronger relationship and then you're building a trust. If that trust is not present, if you don't work on the trust to build up those relationships, then the long-term projects tend to fall apart as soon as somebody decides it's not for them or they just don't want to put the energy into relationship anymore. So I've always said, find some way to connect with every member on your team, every group that you are going to have to work with um, give them space to express themselves, um, you know, in setting that expectation that it's always respectful. Everybody's opinion should be heard, even if you disagree with it. There's room for disagreement, absolutely. But everybody should be heard. So I've always said that I believe there are solutions to every challenge that we are faced with. Um, but sometimes those solutions require patience and, and the trust between the groups. So build those relationships and the solutions will reveal themselves and the projects actually end up being a heck of a lot more successful. And that's what I kind of learned from the, the ground up, even from the parent council, you had a myriad of different <laughs> opinions and comments and always making sure that even the ones you disagreed with, you took the time to reflect and re return back to them what you've heard and then at least be able to talk through either why you agreed or didn't agree with that or taking bits of it and incorporating it. If people don't see themselves in the project and they don't have that buy-in or ownership, those projects are probably doomed from day one. So overall, you know, giving room, having patience and building up those relationships and trust is, is paramount to any success. I appreciate that. And Collaboration isn't always easy, but as you said, there's some, it's really important and it's important to find a way to move forward with everybody being heard at the table. So, so thank you for that. I know that your department is working on a water strategy and a transportation strategy. 
which will have a lot of linkages to what happens on the ground in, in individual municipalities and across the region. And can you talk a bit about the water strategy and the transportation strategy and why these are important uh, documents that we get going on right away? I, I think that just what we had touched on earlier when we're talking about the overall water strategy, um, that touches on a number of different departments within the government. And, and I know that the agriculture resource development are, are heading that sort of plan water strategy, but it's, it's in collaboration with federal counterparts, with municipal and, and regional, you know, Reeves and mayors too, that we all play a part in, in how we're impacted on high water events but also in the drought years too. So having a strategy to look at, you know, right now we have an abundance of water and, and that's a wonderful place to be in. But what does that look like in future? And how can we plan to mitigate any of the, you know, detrimental uh, situations we can find ourselves in? And, and that discussion and that planning is, is um, very prudent. And I think that is gonna um, lead to really good decision-making um, when we're looking at the province as a whole. But, beyond our borders because water doesn't respect borders, right? So um, I, I think it's just this uh, great opportunity to collaborate uh, between departments and make really uh, strategic decisions that make sense, um, but then can lead to other opportunities in future. I know the Premier talks about us being the most improved province in Manitoba, and I, I love that vision and, and how we how we improve and how you know we move forward with real targets and goals. And I just wonder from a personal perspective, what are your hopes for the future of Manitoba? Oh, wow, that, those are some lofty goals that I have. Um, you know, I, I, I've always felt like Manitoba is like the best kept secret in Canada. <laughs> we have so many um, amazing individuals with wonderful ideas and we have the potential to be a leader in so many areas, including um, this climate and green plan being the, a cleaner, greener, more climate resilient province, we have the opportunity to try out so many new innovative projects and ideas that I think are going to lead to other jurisdictions looking saying, how did you do that? Um, so, you know, my hope for, for the future is that not only do we have success in, in, in the goals that we are setting, but that we can also collaborate and see those same successes in other jurisdictions based on what we've learned through trying. So um, yeah, I, I think I'd leave it at that, that, that uh, I hope we could be leaders for, for others. Well, that's excellent. Leadership is important. And I agree with you on that. I agree Manitoba can lead in so many areas because we really are the best kept secret and so much to offer the world. And, and I think we're going to take our rightful place there very soon. So Minister Guimard, I, I know you're very busy and I really appreciate having the time to talk with you today. And I really am inspired by the work you're doing and in the, all of the dedication you've put into water, the environment and climate. And I, I look forward to working with you in the future on, on lots of projects. But before I let you go, there's one question we've been asking everybody. And it is, if you could talk to any person in the entire world, past, present, who would that person be? And what would you ask them? What would you say to them? Mm. So this one isn't necessarily connected to what I'm doing um, in my job per se. But if I had to pick one person to speak to, and I think this is actually a partner that, that I would um, be speaking to, it's, it's doctors Banting and Best. So they discovered insulin. And I have a son with type 1 diabetes. And I ultimately would love to just sit down and thank them 
not only for the opportunity to save my own son's life, but countless other lives. And in, in saying this, it was just recently the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation held their fundraiser on, on June 14th that I was able to participate in. And they do wonderful work for raising funds for research. And although this is specific to my personal life and my own child, research is, is such an important aspect to any of, of innovation and, and any of the answers we're all going to be looking forward to. Um, but yes, personally, I would, I would like to meet with these two doctors who likely did not get the, the recognition they deserved or understand the impacts over the years of what their discovery has, has done for many families. Wow, that's really great. And uh, what a great story. So, so thank you for sharing that with us. That, that's fantastic. And thank you so much for joining us today on Creative Resolutions in Action. We look forward to uh, working with you in the future. Thank you very much. It was my pleasure. And thank you all for joining us today on Creative Resolutions in Action. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to check out episode 11, where we talk with Martin McGarry from Cushman Wakefield Stevenson. Martin is a longtime supporter of regional thinking and shares his thoughts on how we can foster the growth the metro region wants to see in the years to come. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast, like, and tell us what you think about the conversations in the reviews. Join us next time for episode 13, where we'll sit down with Ron Hamley, the president and COO of the Winnipeg Construction Association. Ron will share with us the biggest shifts he's seen in the industry in his 20-year career. Creative Resolutions in Action, Manitobans Building Strong Communities.